Hi, I'm Liz Winstead. I'm Mojiella Wodeal. And we're the hosts of Feminist Buzzkills, the only weekly podcast that helps you navigate the post-row hellscape. We dissect all the news from that sketchy intersection of abortion and misogyny with our guests, the abortion providers and activists working on the ground. Plus, we have amazing comedians to help us laugh through the rage. Feminist Buzzkills drops Fridays wherever you get your pod fix. Listen and subscribe, because when BS is popping, we pop off. Prevail. C'est un show de Geneva programme pro politico. L'histoire, la sécurité nationale. Crimen organisado, dinero sucio. Global rupture. Tabro de pour la démocratie. Et ahora, ATP. Et maintenant, comme ustedes, su anfitrion. Welcome back to the fight. This time I know our side will win. I'm Greg Oliar. This is Prevail. Welcome to the program. We've got a great show. Candidly, Tiff is here. She has a live TikTok show, 9.30 p.m., Eastern Time Wednesdays called The Rundown, where she and her co-hosts run down the news of the week. She knows a lot of stuff about what's going on inside the Beltway. She is OG K-Hive, and if you recognize her voice, it's because she's been on the show before. She was on with our friend Joni V many moons ago to discuss the Biden-Harris first hundred days, and I'm like, my God, that was a long time ago. We're now heading into... Uh, the election season, it's the, it's early, but we're still, we're going to turn the corner soon. There's lots of talk already, certainly among the GOP people, and with all the Jack Smith stuff with Trump and when this uh, this trial is going to be, and we can't have it be too close to the election, it's on everybody's mind. So I wanted to bring her on and talk about Biden, talk about Kamala, and the jobs they've done so far, and what we can do uh, to show our support and make sure that they win re-election, which, um, yeah, they need to win re-election or we're really screwed. Yeah. So great conversation with her, as always. She's she's a wealth of information, and she knows a lot of things that I don't know. She really keeps on top of all the, the, the Capitol Hill stuff and the bills that are being passed. And, you know, she knows where the VP is all the time. There's a lot of this talk of, where's Kamala? We never see her. If you don't see Kamala, it's because you're not looking for her because she's out doing stuff pretty much all the time. And uh, Tiff's account on Twitter is wonderful to follow um, if you want to keep up with this stuff. And it's at T-I-F-Y, Tiffy, 330. So T-I-F-Y, 330. Follow her on Twitter. Okay, this has been a weird week, man. We've got Trump tapes coming out in which he's sort of like bumblingly going through classified documents Everybody knows what he's doing here. Everybody knows he took the documents. Everybody knows he's supposed to give them back, and he didn't. Everyone knows, you know, he probably monetized these things, which is why he didn't give them back. But he's also such a braggart. I mean, he's he's with these people that are, like, writing a book about Mark Meadows. And as somebody who's ghostwritten a book before, I can't imagine a worse subject than Mark Meadows to write about. Oh my God. I, I hope they're getting well paid, except that they're so awful cackling in the background and making anti-Hillary jokes on this tape that I actually hope that uh, that they're not well paid at this point. I hope the, the whole thing is a flop. 
Trump is ridiculous. We know he's ridiculous. It's hard to listen to the thing and not and know that it's not like some SNL sketch or somebody imitating him, but it's not. It's really him. He really is that dumb. And it's a disgrace. It's he's confessing to crimes. And I don't know what else to say at this point. I mean, if you still believe that this guy is innocent, yeah, I've got a bridge to sell you. Um, and that's not even the worst Trump thing that comes out. Miles Taylor, uh, who wrote another book or is writing another book that's coming out um, about his uh, time. He's a foreign policy guy uh, that was in the Trump administration and one of the, you know, the normal guys in the administration who was, uh, um, you know, in there for the right reasons, reports the story where Trump was talking about you know, out loud about how he wants to bang Ivanka and how great her, you know, cleavage is and this and and, uh, distractingly to the point where the chief of staff, John Kelly, had to be like, "Uh, sir, that's your daughter. You realize maybe we shouldn't be talking about this. And we I I know, look, I know he's bad. I know we all make jokes about it. I know that there's that the, the, the picture on Twitter that's floating around where she's sitting in his lap. You know, my friend Noel Kassler has been talking about this for a long, long time on Twitter and every platform that he has about this weird attraction. We all know it, but it's still, man, he's the president of the United States and he has to be basically reprimanded by his chief of staff because he's talking about wanting to bang his daughter. I know, sometimes you just have to take a step back and really spell out what's happening here. The most powerful person on planet Earth had to be restrained by his chief of staff. Chief of staff runs basically the entire government because the president wouldn't stop talking about his sexual fantasies involving his daughter. I don't know what else to say, man. If you're still defending this guy, there is something wrong with you. Now, the problem is there's a lot of people still defending this guy. Why? I don't even want to know. Far be it from me to pretend to understand the MAGA cult, but they're out there. They're going to vote. Trump is going to run. This RFK shit is a little bit too dangerous for my liking. I wish this guy would just go away already. But he's, I don't know, he's going to be around for at least a couple more news cycles, apparently. So we really have to promote the Biden-Harris administration because these guys have done a fucking awesome job under really, really dire circumstances. They came into office in the middle of the pandemic. Nobody had the damn vaccine yet. Biden promised vaccines by April or May, whatever it was, which was sooner than anybody thought they could happen. And he delivered on that. He delivered on a lot of other things, too. He's managed NATO and the whole Ukraine situation beautifully, masterfully. He fucking handled that idiot McCarthy with the debt ceiling thing. I mean, the guy is good. The the Republicans go from being like he's a senile old bat who can barely talk to he's a mastermind who runs the universe. And they can't, you know, the, the latter is closer to the truth. But I don't know if it's just fatigue or the media not reporting stuff. Or I I read an article uh, that my friend sent me about deliverableness and how that whole idea of, hey, we're going to say we're going to do this and then we're going to do it and then we're going to announce it and everyone is going to be great and vote for us is actually not as effective as Democrats think and that there might need to be kind of a rethink in how 
uh, how they campaign, you know, how the Democrats campaign. And it's actually better to be more emotional. And what people want and what's driving them to the ballot is women's rights under attack. You know, the Dobbs decision, Roe being overturned, all this fascist shit that's going on in Florida and Texas and Mississippi and the other red states. People don't like this and they're going to vote for it. But the Democrats have been very, very reluctant to make the election about that. So I think that the answer is to focus on that, have Kamala focus on that and have her be kind of the attack dog, which is what the BP does anyway, generally in these election cycles. And, you know, they can promote all the awesome stuff they've done and also identify the villains and explain who they are and how they've screwed everything up. And I think that's a winning recipe. So Tiff has some great ideas, too, about, you know, what a second term would look like to, to set up Kamala for success in 2028. That's a little far down. I don't even know what's going to happen by 28, man. The asteroid might come. I don't know. Uh, it's hard for me to think that far ahead. I don't even know what I'm having for dinner tonight. And it's, uh, it's six o'clock. Okay. So <laughs> sometimes my future planning is not so hot, but you know, Tiff had some great ideas, uh, towards the end of the pod, which are, um, cool. Something I hadn't thought about before. So, and, uh, lots of other things too. So this is a great conversation. Um, again, her show is called the rundown. It's on Wednesdays at nine 30 live on TikTok. And her TikTok channel is candidly underscore Tiff, T-I-F-F. One more thing before we get to the uh, to the discussion here. Uh, Elon and Zuckerberg are going to be in a cage match, apparently. I don't know why anybody cares about this. My only question is, can this be on Mars? We'll be right back with Candidly Tiff. Are you sick of same old boring vacation? Tired of renting house at beach? Why not go someplace new and exciting? Why not take family adventure to Belarus? Hi, I'm Yagivni Progosian of Wagner Group. When I want to take break, even in middle of military coup, I always have charming holiday time in Belarus. Whether I'm in primeval forest of Bolovskaya Pushka, Babrusk Fortress in Mogilev Oblast, or 10th floor walk up in downtown Minsk, where I am right now enjoying a scenic view of brick wall, Belarus truly has it all. One more thing, women in Belarus are most beautiful in the world. How beautiful are they? They are so beautiful. There is city named, and I not make this up, breast. On subject of chicken, I might have been Putin's chef, but I'm your travel advisor. Belarus is best place on earth, better than where you are right now, and certainly better than that dump Moscow. Belarus, like Russia, but pretty. And now, back to the show. Candidly, Tiff, welcome back to Prevail. Hello, how are you? Um, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. It's as we discussed before the camera went on. It's very humid all of a sudden, and uh, I'm in New York. You're down by DC, which is much worse. I know. How are you faring with the weather? The weather is fine. Um, it is summer. I I keep forgetting we have we have transitioned from spring to summer, and that's always a weird thing because it never seems to like it never goes from like you know, from, from cool to warm. It just, it's like warm. And yeah. then it's like, oh, hey, by the way, it's summertime. So yes, it is summer in DC, which means it's hot, humid. And yeah, it's not, not a fun thing. Now, when I was, when I was a boy, you know, uh, we used to have four seasons instead of two. It was nice. It wasn't so bad. You know, now I feel like everything jumps from, I think we had one day earlier this month where it was like 
60 degrees on Saturday and 95 degrees on Sunday. And it was like, what, the, what just happened? I don't know. Yeah. Climate change, maybe who knows? Yeah. It's a, it's very weird. Cause last week it was cool. It was like around, I want to say like 60 and you had to wear a jacket right. or a hoodie. And then now it's like burning hot with humidity. So if you just never know what, I don't even look at the weather apps anymore. I just walk outside and I'm like, <laughs> okay, I put a jacket on. And I'm like, no, it's too hot for this. Love, just go with the t-shirt. So I, I, I just can't keep up with weather. Maybe that, maybe that's the result of climate change, right? We just kind of, we just kind of got to go with the flow because you just never know what it's going to be on any given it's day. It's true. That's that's we have to be adaptable. We have to be adaptable. Now we started off talking about the weather, but I want you to come on because you know which way the wind's blowing, and I want to, I want to pick your brain on that. Yeah. Um, last time you were on, I can't believe this. My podcast has been going for years now, which is a marvel to me. I had you on to discuss the hundred days of uh, of Biden Harris, which is like a million years ago. I feel like uh, lots of stuff has happened since then, but you you are much more plugged in with what's going on on Capitol Hill, like all the the, the intricacies of of what Congress is up to and uh, stuff like that than I am. So I wanted to have you on to really just get your thoughts on um, you know a lot of different things uh, as we head into. Uh, what next year is going to be, you know, yet another pivotal uh, presidential election. So let's start start here because we haven't talked about this yet. Um, how did you react when you found out that Trump was going to be indicted? Um, indicted for the second time, I should say. Yeah, I was going to say the first time it was actually on my the first time he was indicted was my birthday. Which, oh, was, okay. which was fun because I was like, I had told someone that I was like, you know, it was a lot of talk, like, this is going to happen. I'm like, oh my gosh, if this happens on my birthday, this is going to be so interesting. And sure enough, it was like 5 p.m. the day of my birthday. And they're like, Trump is indicted. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the best birthday present ever. So that was fun. We ended up on a space, a Twitter space. We It was a whole like party. So that was the first. But then the second one, I, I, I was actually kind of shocked, to be yeah. honest. I wasn't really... I wasn't really sure what to make of it. You know, there was all this talk about what could happen. You know, what is Jack Smith going to do? And I wasn't really sure what was going to what was going to come about and what the charges were really going to be. I mean, yeah. if you look if in retrospect, when they when they first went into to Mar-a-Lago, you know, they did the FBI did say that they were. They were searching, and one of the things that they were looking for is if he violated the Espionage Act, right? So I think we, I think because it's been so long and there's been so many things that have happened, we kind of overlooked a lot of the things that they told us initially about what this case was about. And so when you, when you, but when you actually hear it and see it that it's actually happening, it's almost like why didn't he just give back the records? It, he put himself in this position, but he's Trump and this is what he does. He <laughs> he he is kind he's kind of like the stupidest criminal if you think about it. <laughs> like you put yourself in this position, you they they asked for the records and they gave him plenty of opportunities to give it back and he still refused. And the fact that he keeps going on TV to talk about it Probably not good. Yeah, it makes it even worse because he keeps telling on himself. And I just look at the interviews and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this guy doing? I'm sure Jack Smith probably looks at these interviews and the people on his legal team and go, what in the hell? He just can't stop talking. It's can't, unbelievable. No. 
his I'm not a lawyer. You're not a lawyer, are you? I'm not a lawyer. We're either. not lawyers, so uh, we can't give legal advice. But usually, um, I don't think it's a good idea to confess to your crimes on national TV. That's just a you know maybe a guideline. I think probably a smart thing to do. But you you mentioned him giving the documents back. Now, if if you hit up a jewelry store and you take like necklaces and diamonds and stuff, and then you start to fence the things that you stole, and then the jewelry store says, "Hey, give me the stuff back." And everything will be cool. You can't give back the stuff you already stole. I'm just, I don't know what this has to do with Trump. I'm just merely yeah, saying. I, I hear you. <laughs> but this is the government. And they were willing to, you know, they were willing to work with him and yeah. say, hey, guy, listen, I know you were the president. We're going to give you a little bit of leniency here. This is Nara talking. Get, you know, we want these documents back. I know you have them. Can we get them back? Okay, first time. Second, you know, he gives some of the documents back. Then he doesn't give the rest of the documents back. Then they're like, okay, then they, then they refer it to to the you know to the to the DOJ to investigate. The DOJ even gives him some, you know, some leeway and says, "Hey, can we get the documents back?" He gives some back. The lawyers are involved. They're they're oh my god, they're so complicit too. It's insane. <laughs> and then finally, they're like, okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna seize the we're gonna come into your home and we're gonna take it. And it looked like just reading back, you know, like I said, reading back all the things that like that the one guy who was in the the Washington Post, I was reading back, um, D'Antonio, he is something else. So he didn't want. He told Congress that he didn't want the the deal you know the FBI to go in and he was adamant about that because he didn't want to ruin quote unquote their reputation for going in so it is like all of this kind of back and forth that's been happening and when you think about it you're like you know you're more worried about your rep the reputation of the FBI than actually wondering what Trump actually did with these documents what documents were missing and here we are, you know, that was what, August of last year, and it is now June of this year, and yeah. he's been indicted. I know, I know. No, the, the 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 purpose of the FBI is to like go like catch criminals. So if we have a criminal in the White House, maybe do do that. And that is the thing that will burnish the tarnished reputation of the FBI. Um, tarnished because of Chris Ray, who's been terrible from day one. And, you know, I I've I've said from the pretty much the gate, like. You know, Trump, Trump fired Comey. I'm no fan of Comey either, but he fired Comey um, because Comey was investigating him and then replaced him with Chris Ray. So if you're like a criminal that the FBI is investigating, the FBI shouldn't then be run by the guy that you picked to take over the investigation. Just just common sense here. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the part that gets me about this whole thing is the lack of common sense. <laughs> there is just a lack of common sense on all ends. It's like, okay, the goal was for you to, you, you to, and it, the thing that Trump keeps saying is, these are my documents. These are, I was the, like, he thinks he's the king, right? He's like, I took these documents. I was the president. He's telling um Brett, uh, Brett, what is it, Brett Behar? From, yeah, yeah. Um, from Fox, you know, these were my documents. I owned them. I could declassify documents. Then he's like, yeah, but, you know, you had the conversation, you know, at Bedminster and you said you couldn't declassify the documents. He's like, yeah, but it's like, he, he can't, he can't, he, <laughs> the common sense is not clicking to him that, yeah, you were not the president at the time when you were having that conversation. Therefore, you couldn't declassify it and you probably shouldn't have had the document out or even referencing a document that you say doesn't exist. 
he it, it's so absurd in so many ways but he he can't help himself and he's gonna keep talking and we'll see when we go to trial because I really don't know I think that's kind of like the conversation when is the trial going to be is it going to be before the election you know obviously the primary for the Republicans is going to be sometime early next year so is it going to be you know at the end of this year I know they moved it to December 11th um, based on the filing that Jack mm -hmm. Smith had put in on Friday but is that enough time? I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of conversation amongst, you know, many of us, like, when is this, when is this trial going to happen? My thought is it's, it's going to happen before the end of the year, but I know the legal, the legal analysts think it, it could be delayed further. It's definitely not going to be before December. It, it could be either way. It could either be for or before December. During, I said it's his Christmas surprise. He's gonna he, he'll, he'll get convicted like right before Christmas. Yeah, it's not gonna take long. Yeah, it's not gonna take long. It, it it's probably be like a ten day trial because I mean they have all the evidence. But yeah. will it be before the end of the year? Who knows? Will it be before the Iowa caucuses? I don't know. That would be interesting to see how that plays out politically, but they haven't yeah. even set a date for that. So I, I don't know what to make of it, but I just want it to be done already because we still have one six to have to to kind of yeah yeah parse through and figure and and Georgia right we still have Georgia waiting to see what she, what Fannie Fannie Willis is going to do with her case. And we don't know this. This is not the last of of the documents either. I, I think I think Jack Smith has more stuff up his sleeve. I think they did this because this is the easiest thing that they could do that's the most cut and dry um you know but i i guess you know <laughs> we'll see how it goes as for trump i mean this is now he's well into his eighth decade of talking his way out of shit and not getting in trouble so he's going to keep doing what what brought him there everyone talks about how old joe biden is trump is two years younger than biden and clearly mentally not where biden is but we'll talk about biden later but that <laughs> that that that's my take on that now you brought up the the iowa and all of this and the thing that's fascinating to me is trump is definitely going to run for president you know no matter what happens you can run for president in prison eugene debs did it in in, in the 1910s right it's it's happened before uh it's it's your constitutional right as an american citizen to run for prison Trump needs to run, I think, to keep the grift going because this is how he uh, continues to bilk his marks that keeps sending him money. The question is, will he be the Republican nominee or will he run third party? I think that's the question because I, he's definitely, he's not not running. I think there's zero reality in which he's not running. So what do you, what do you think about, you think he's going to get the nomination? Like what do you think is going to happen? Oh, he's definitely going to get the nomination. He will be on house arrest and running for president on Zoom. <laughs> you know I mean? this, is, this is Trump. I mean, he's he's never, people keep saying, do you think that he's going to get a, you know, take a deal like he's going to, you know, plead guilt? And no, this is Trump. He's never going to admit his guilt in anything because he believes that he is innocent and he did nothing wrong. So that, I think that is out of the equation. Okay. As far as him running, he's most definitely going to continue to run. He, I mean, the, a poll came out today, NBC poll. I mean, he's like, I think he was like 60% or something versus, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's going to sweep the field. I mean, he, people still like these Republicans. He's mad, just say it right. The MAGA Republicans mm -hmm. still love Trump and everyone else running is running from a position where they don't have the clout nor yeah. the experience that Trump has. I mean, DeSantis is probably the next closest person and he's like trailing by like 30 points. I mean, he's yeah. like super behind and he and him himself. Oh my gosh. He is, 
he is so like so weird that's like probably not even the right word to use because he it's like even beyond awkward the yeah. way that he talks and the way that he acts and I, I don't think that's he doesn't have the charisma I've always said it he doesn't have the charisma Trump he's we all know that he is like a total ass but he has charisma he and he has yep. that he has that New York thing where he you know he <laughs> plays upon he plays upon people's emotions yeah. And DeSantis doesn't have that. And the rest of the field doesn't even come close to having that. So those people will vote for him, even if he's on house arrest. I promise you, they have no, they also lack common sense because they, they don't, they don't yeah. care. They're just like, he's our guy and none of these people are good enough and we're going to vote for him. And if he wins, he wins. If he doesn't, oh, well. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of the of the reporting that you see in the papers it sort of says, well, you know, we polled Republicans and they said this, but I think a lot of like mainstream non-MAGA Republicans have left the party and are independents now anyway. So I think the Republican Party is by and large Trump controlled MAGA weird, you know, crazy shit. Um, the time they, they had many moments when they could have pulled away. I think the first impeachment Pence could have taken over. They would have had like nine months um, during the pandemic to like you know, actually present Pence as a viable option. They chose not to. Um, there was a moment when they could have rallied around Liz Cheney. They could have jettisoned Trump, rallied around her. Liz Cheney, with the backing of the Republican Party running against Biden, is really, really dangerous from the Democrats' point of view because you've got, like, you know, a Gen X woman who's, as we saw in the in the J6 hearings, really, really good, you know, in front of people and oozes common sense regardless of what we think of her policies, which, right. and the fact that, you know, her father is Satan, but, you know, she has that, that, but they, they fucked that up. They, they didn't do it. They, you know, they, they made it so that, no, we have to, she's not even the person in Wyoming anymore. You know, they, they threw her out right. of the party. They, they threw her out the party. She is no, yeah. she is not even anywhere near what people think of Republicans these days. Right. They, they just, they think of people like, Jim Jordan. They think of people like Trump. I mean, these are the people, McCarthy, who who is so crazy himself with all his MTG, the Bulbirds. These are the people that represent. Yeah, these are the people that represent that party. It's not a Liz Cheney, even like you said, her dad, who is literally Satan, but and will shoot you with a gun, you know, <laughs> right in the right. face, and then and have you apologize. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, these people were these this was the party, but this is no longer who we are. So I am happy that that Democrats and even Joe Biden identifies them as who they are. They are the MAGA Republicans. These are not your run-of-the-mill Republicans. And as you said, most of those people have left the party, are like on the fence of the party. They're kind of just out there by themselves. And those people are very few. I mean, the never Trumpers are never, they're the never Trumpers are never going away. They're they're hoping for a new day that likely will not come for many, many years to come. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of stuck in limbo and they sometimes they they revert back. You see them like on Twitter, like revert back to kind of their thinking of republicanism, but it's it's not there. It's they they're like almost they're almost like houseless and homeless. They don't have anywhere to go. <laughs> right. They're kind of just like they're floating in this in politics. And we're just looking at them like, okay, you know you have to like pick a side at some point, but they don't know what side to pick. Like they and they'll they'll praise Biden, they'll trash Trump. But then they're also like, yeah, but we still want to be fiscal hawks. 
or 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 you know like it's it just it's just odd it's just an odd place to be yeah now well there's no you know the the way that that the country is set up the architecture of the US government is designed to have two parties two functional parties and right now we don't we have one functional party and one circus show that's what we have um yeah. there are a bunch of fucking fascists and fascists are not good at governing anything they're just good at having tantrums and getting people killed um you know basically that's all that fascists do so in we do need to have a reset where either the republican party or some alternative whether it's you know everybody joins the democrats and the democratic party splits in half and those are the two parties we need to have two parties and it's it's you know part of the problem we're having now is that we don't and uh you know from, from all sides now let's say something weird happens and trump I don't know, is convicted and is in jail and I, or, or flees the country. You know, he's just like, I'm out. I'm going to go to jail. The next thing you know, if you need me, I'll be in Abu Dhabi. And then we never see him again. Is there anybody in this field of losers that that frightens you a little bit running in a general election of the people that we've seen? Well, of course, DeSantis, even though he's weird, he 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 is still the next. He is still right behind Trump, right? Not close, but he's behind mm -hmm. him. His policies are horrific. So yes, Horrible, anything, yeah. any chance that he could be president is always scary in any way, shape, or form. What he's doing in Florida is just horrible. Yeah. He runs on cult, you know, culture wars, and he's just he's just not a, a good person. So to even think, and the thing is, he's he's actually smarter than Trump, but he lacks that common sense or even even like understanding people that yeah. Trump actually has in the charisma, right? Because Trump knows how to play on people's emotions. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that DeSantis has that skill to be able to do that. And I think, in fact, he actually doesn't like people. So it's even kind of a weirder situation. But he, but people will flock to him if there is no Trump. They may even flock to Pence, right? They he, Which is so odd in itself because, I mean... Trump tried to have him killed, but yeah. he is still an evangelical, right? And though and a lot of those voters are even, I mean, that's why he was picked to be the VP right. is because right. of that evangelical vote. So, and I don't know that, I don't know that DeSantis really has the same appeal to those people as a Pence would. And the other, the other people that are running, I mean, Tim Scott and Nikki, Nikki Haley and uh, the Vivek guy and oh Asa, like all these people are just, they're kind of, I feel like they're all running to be VP, right? They're all trying to get their name out there. Yeah. Hey, pick me. I, I, I can do, I can bring somebody to the table, but I honestly don't know who Tim Scott brings to the table other than a very small percentage of black conservatives that he thinks he's going to make appeals to this party and he does have some evangelicals that will that do like him just based on his you know his his the fact that he loves to talk about god which is so odd in itself you're running for president there's a separation of church and state but oh, whatever this is so strange in every way and listen, it is what it is. I I, I I, just can't see, like I said, if Trump runs away, first of all, Trump running away in itself is kind of hilarious, just yeah. thinking thinking about. But I don't know if there's, uh, the only other person that I think that actually would have an impact on this field, but people probably don't even respect him anymore if he got into this race, would be Mitt Romney. 
but mm. no one no one respects him enough to vote for him and maga pretty much has wrote wrote him off so i don't really know where maga even goes at if there's no trump do they do they do they get his son to run i mean like this is crazy this is how crazy maga is right you have to think about what what would appeal to them is running is if Trump says okay, if Trump leaves and now his son his son decides to run, do they flock to him? I mean, he's he's still a part of them. It's it's just it's just a, uh, one of those things where you just don't really understand. I don't really understand that electorate in so many ways because they're so <laughs> it's, they, it's, a, it's a cult. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a cult, right? So the cult leader leaves, and the cult unless unless Trump says, well, yeah, vote for Pence. Or and he's not gonna do that. He won't no. say vote for he won't say vote for DeSantis because he hates DeSantis too. Yep. So who does he who does he put on a pedestal to say, is it like Marjorie Taylor Greene? Like, hey guys, she's running, now vote for her. Like who, Carrie Lake. Who, yeah, yeah, Carrie Lake. Oh my gosh. Yeah, these these are the people that he has and who do who we know that he can control their minds and who they vote for. But who would he actually say vote for them instead of me? Or is it just an, a, a zero sum game? It's me or Biden. Yeah, I think it's I think it's that unless you can vote for people that are maybe dead, because I heard JFK Jr. would be you know, <laughs> pretty good. I think he's uh, that whole that whole thing is so baffling to me, because like if JFK Jr., even if he were still alive, he would not be he would not be voting for Trump. I mean, in any reality, uh, <laughs> You know. His cousin, uncle, whatever he is, I know his family member, JFK, RFK Jr. Cousins, yeah. Is their yeah. cousin, right? Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he, he's out there. I mean, honestly, I was shocked that he was even running as a Democrat. I was like, when I heard it, I was like, oh, he's running as a Republican? Interesting. No, he's running as a Democrat. And today he has a video of him, like, lifting weights. He's, like, total anti-vax. It's just that whole thing is just interesting. And then you, the but the, the, the JFK Jr. thing, remember when they were waiting on the bridge for him to come like yep. these people are crazy crazy like this is what i'm saying they're yeah. they're in on they're such a strange electorate that you don't really even know what appeals to them unless you're in the cult and none of us are in the cult so we are just on the outside looking in wondering what the hell are they going to do if trump even you know has to go on on how i think he's going on house arrest i don't think he's ever going to an actual prison if he is convicted so yeah yeah um now, I, I think, you know, I, and I've been telling people this, I think, historically speaking, incumbents don't lose unless they really suck uh, or something weird happens. And Biden has been awesome. So unless he's as long as he's I've said, said this a lot, I'm lighting a candle as long as he's alive and reasonably sentient, he's winning and he's winning, I think, easily. But, uh, you know, knock wood. But that's uh, <laughs> that that's my take on it. Um, okay, this is a good time to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Handedly Tiff. Okay, we're back with Tiff. Um, before the break, we we're talking about Trump. Now let's let's pivot into the uh um, into the Biden thing, because again, last time you were on, it was just a hundred days in everything looked pretty great. People listening to this know what my take is on Biden, uh, at this point, which is that I think he's been the best president of my lifetime. Um, 
what what do you think now? It's been what three three years now. It's it's or two and a half, whatever. It's a long time. So uh, you know the track record is there. What are your thoughts? How do you think he's doing? I think he's doing great. It's there's been some challenges. Thanks thanks to Joe Manchin <laughs> and Griffin Cinema. Um, you know, just getting bills passed through the Senate. So there 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 it hasn't been an easy road. Build back better, you know that failed, and so there. I think there was less, a lot of lessons learned over the last two and a half years. You know, people want to to judge him what he hasn't done, but never want to judge him on what he has done, and that bothers me. So if you if you hear people, you know, well, Biden hasn't done, you know, w- what he promised. This is this is kind of like the the far left argument. He hasn't done <sighs> what he's what he said he was going to do. But when I look at it, I look at it from a from a different perspective, and I look at what he has done right so when i think about you know where we were and i always say close your eyes and think about what it was like you know when he came into office on that first day where we you know we were still in a pandemic and we were home is where we were we were home (laughs) we were in a pandemic unemployment was you know surging still we were trying to get out of we didn't even have people didn't even have vaccines in arms at that point i mean we were it was there was like a very small amount of people that had vaccines in january of 2021 and we you know we we had to figure out where to go from there the economy was was not great and we we had to kind of slow walk where we wanted to be and we knew we knew that if these policies were coming into play you know we we did we did pass you know the obviously covid relief and we had to we had to move on and and get some bills passed and we got arp back and i think that that changed the trajectory of how people were, you know, were adapting to the realities of where we were at that time, right? We were able to get another check in hand. People got, um, it was the, the $1,400 check that they were able to use to kind of get their way out of it. We had the the child tax credit, which helped so many people be able to, to kind of recover from where we were being out of work. I know a couple of my cousins were getting like $600. They had kids that helped them to kind of get back, back on, on their feet. I mean, when you think about these policies and what what happened, ACA covered, people were able to get, you know, covered that may have been out of work. There was a lot that was able to be accomplished with that bill. And I mean, unemployment, we had to get people back to work. That was the goal to get people back to work. So when you look at the unemployment rate and it's now, you know, what was what is it now? Three point seven percent unemployment. It's effectively effectively full employment. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're where we've been back to full employment, you know, above almost a year now. Um, We recovered those covid jobs and we've created Biden has created, you know, 13.1 million jobs. I don't think anyone on that day when he was inaugurated, thought we would be able to accomplish what we've accomplished to this point. And to his credit and to his economic team credit, we have really done a really good job of you know stabilizing our economy. Of course, people, like I said, they love to complain about what hasn't been done. But when I, when I was thinking about it this morning, I, I look back at some of my tweets from a year ago and gas was $5. Right. Yeah. I went and got gas yesterday. It was three thirty five. So even though inflation was high at one point and things were really expensive, we have we we know that it's now down four point one percent. Right. So we have made progress. And to me, that is the mark of of a successful pre- presidency and a successful Congress. Have we made progress? Because at the end of the day, 
that is what we want. And if you're a progressive, you should want progress. And I've seen progress. Yes. Uh, wait, but the progressives in, in Congress don't seem to want that. They just like to complain and vote against bills that will help them. Like the debt ceiling thing, by the way, which, again, the, the Republicans were trying to, they were, you know, they they grabbed control of the plane and threatened to fly it into the fucking mountain. And, you know, Biden was able to make them not do that without giving them really anything, you know, masterclass in, in how to play those fuckers. And uh, th these so-called progressives are voting against it on the Democratic side. I can't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it either. It really pissed me off. I'm like, guys, we got like, like I said, a masterclass in how to deal with people who are disgruntled and trying to get attention. He took it out of the, the media. He did it behind the scenes. Props mm -hmm. to Shalonda Young, Steve Rochetti for, for handling this with the sensitivity that it needed and the care that didn't allow for people who are marginalized, people who are who are in poverty, people who are using our social safety nets to not be harmed. And again, these people said, "Okay, we're not going to vote for it." And they and and I love that they went on MSNBC and they just each one of them went and justified their vote for why they for why they didn't do it. Oh, because of you know SNAP. I'm like, okay, but you do realize that veterans now are able to get SNAP, right? That they weren't before. And it, I mean, it's like, it, you can justify it any way you want. But for me, I feel like, listen, you you vote with your president and he made this deal and you you ride for him. So I just, I just thought it was kind of foolish, especially those who are running for higher office to do so, to not vote for it, because those things come back to you in the end. They, they definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever they're for, like, look, the the debt ceiling thing is like the ogre on the bridge. You know, it, whatever promises you want, your Green New Deal or whatever you want. And I all the stuff they want is fine. It's, it's great. But you're not going to get that unless you do these incremental steps. If the entire global economy collapses, guess what's never going to happen? The Green New Deal, whatever it is that you want is never going to happen. If if uh, if the debt ceiling thing, if we default on the debt and the U.S. dollar is no longer the, the global reserve currency, we are fucked. China just won. You might as well just hand it over to China because we're, at, we're over. And uh, we came that close to doing it. And you barely even really, I don't think anybody really was even that concerned because, again, Biden is at the, you know, the helm of the ship here uh, with that. And also abroad where, you know, fucking Trump spent four years trying to break NATO apart. NATO, which is, I think, very, very important and responsible for the Pax Americana that we in the West have enjoyed since 1945, for the most part, in Europe, uh, in Western Europe and elsewhere. Um, you know, Trump's trying to destroy that. I mean, and Biden, as soon as Putin does the bullshit in Ukraine, Biden puts it back together again in two weeks stronger than ever. Yeah. So. Yeah. From a, from, a, from a geopolitical perspective, we we t we try to understand like our own domestic policies but when you see the importance of the geopolitical scheme of it all if our economy collapses we screw everybody over yeah and it yeah. was interesting that biden was at the g7 while all of this was going on it was kind of like the perfect backdrop of you know of showing power like i'm here but i'm leaving and i'm going back home to deal with this so that our economy does not crash and here we are and i made a deal and we saved everything or do people appreciate that 
many do not and that really pisses me off because he because he handled it so well and even when it was done he was still had the grace even though republicans showed him zero interrupted his trip to come out and just say look we made a deal we did this for 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 everyone um you know even mccarthy he you know i i worked with him and they were mad at, and people were mad at him for that like what is he yeah. supposed to say you know is he gonna get on tv and say f mccarthy like that's not gonna happen use common sense like i said common sense is yeah. not common it's really frustrating but he did what he needed to do his team did what they needed to do and in the end, the show that McCarthy and the Republicans tried to to create was basically it was it became nothing, right? It was it was all for nothing in, at the end of the day. And they're going to try to do it again. They're going to try to yeah. keep it. And I think I, I understand why people were saying, you know, we we allowed them to try to you know take this hostage, you know, this whole thing. But this is politics. This is what happens in politics. It's ha- been happening for years. It happened to Obama. You know, it, yeah. we when de- when Republicans are in charge, Democrats don't act like this. We don't we don't hold the government hostage. We don't take the government and say, you know, if you don't do X, Y, Z, we're not we're going to shut down the government. That's not how we roll. But Republicans are, and they don't care. They they act like they don't care if the if the government collapsed. We know we knew that this was all a game from the beginning. It was a matter of how it was just going to be played. And I think if we were looking at it from a from a game perspective, Biden won. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And, and the, the, what you mentioned about the you know Republicans playing this, this is a relatively new thing in the history of the country, you know, that comes from the 90s when Clinton was president and Gingrich and then McConnell doing this obstructionist bullshit. Even in the years leading up to the Civil War, the political parties compromised, you know, compromise of 1848 and the Cobb Missouri compromise and the, always they would become two fisticuffs, but they would compromise at the end of the day. This is recent. It's dangerous. And this is why, you know, getting back to my point about there needs to be two functional parties in Washington or this cannot sustain itself. So, um, OK, enough about enough about Biden, enough about Trump, enough about the dudes. We have to talk about Kamala now. Um, so <laughs> um, who I think has always been kind of driving the progressive engine in this administration. So a couple a couple of questions up front. Um Now, there was talk in 2016 during the whole process of who's going to do what, that uh, Kamala should be the attorney general and not the vice president, which at the time made me furious. And um, I was like, no, that's a that's that's not that's a demotion from, you know, where she is. It's not ridiculous. Why don't you want to have her having now lived with Merrick Garland for all these years? I kind of wish that she could have done both. I mean, is that legal? I don't know what (laughs) I don't know. What's your take? We're, we're we're lucky we have her where she is, right? Absolutely. No, she is she is actually in the right place. I hated that conversation so much. I'm with you. If they wanted her, I mean, people wanted her to be, you know, the Secretary of State. They wanted her to be the AG. They, I mean, they were giving every job but the one that she actually earned and the one that she has, which was beyond frustrating. But I think overall, she's done a really good job of one making Biden. Okay, first of all, let, let me so we said we we're gonna wait to the end. Biden is old. Let's be let's be honest, right? He's old. Yeah. He's old. He's a white man. He is from a totally different generation than she is, right? So having someone who is a black slash Indian woman in in that office, first woman woman of color in that office, someone who's younger, who's uh, from 
she's Gen X. She has seen yep. she has seen the world from a different perspective, and and her, the fact that she came from the Senate, she was a you know was a prosecutor, was an AG, then we, like I said became a senator. Her her perspective on things are so much different than what his perspective is. I mean, he he was in the Senate for so many years. He was a VP. So in that respect, I think because he was a VP, he kind of understands what she's going through, where people are, yeah. you know, kind of diminishing the work that she's doing. But he had but he has done the job. So he knows what that what that looks like. I think for her, it was really understanding the job. Like, what does this job really mean? And for us to do that too, right? Because we we have looked at that job as something that's kind of like the background, right? We Who saw mm -hmm. Pence? I didn't see Pence. I couldn't tell you what Pence was doing any given day of the year. I had no idea. Biden, he was, he was, we, he would go on trips. We knew he was helping with, you know, the reset when we were going through the recession, he was helping to kind of negotiate things. He was, he was there, but we weren't looking for Biden. Like I don't remember ever looking for Biden, but somehow everyone is looking for Kamala <laughs> Harris. What is Kamala doing? Where is Kamala? I, I listen, I guess she's 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 become like the iconic where is Waldo kind of, right? Yeah. And it's 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 frustrating because no one else has had to go through that. But because she's a woman and because she's a black woman, people are trying to figure out, you know, what is the role now of the VP, which I do find odd because no one ever did that before. But I think if you actually wanted to know what the VP was doing, you could actually find out because it's all over social media. But people but people just don't want to look for it. And they've they've kind of given her this weird role where she is supposed to be not necessarily the person who was in front of Biden, but they don't want her to be behind Biden either. It's kind of, yeah. which way do you want? We know she can't overshadow. She's not the president, right? So she cannot act like the president. She can't overshadow him. But we also, but we, but they also are like, where is she? She's there. You just have to really go and find what she's doing because she's doing a lot, right? I mean, this week alone, she has been everywhere. And I'm and I'm like excited about that. I'm like, guys, here she is. You keep asking, where's Kamala? She's right here. She has been, she was yeah. on Joy Reid. Uh, she, you know, she she had a really good article that came out in The Advocate, which was amazing. Um, she she was on, she did the she did the CNN Juneteenth event. She had a rally yesterday. She had a rally yeah, on Friday. I mean, yeah. she is. She has been on, been doing a lot of stuff, and it is campaign. We're starting to get into the campaign, so people can't can't use that excuse anymore because she's gonna be everywhere. But I just think that there's there was a different expectation that was set for her because she was a woman than anyone else. And of course there is, you know, the massage war that comes into play, which is obviously because she's a woman, because she's a black woman, there, you know, people are going to treat her much different. And I think that was hard for the Biden administration too, right? They didn't, they didn't really know how to defend her in the public. They really didn't know how to defend her against the media because there was a lot of media criticism too. And that's, and, and thankfully, you know, the K-Hive has always been here to kind of protect her. <laughs> But it is what it is. It's, it's tricky because the VP historically is a job that, you know, 
famously in the constitution has no purpose. Nobody knows what it is. It doesn't, it, that job has no, no set duties. The only reason it exists is in case something happens to the president technically. So each vice president sort of carves out a role for him or herself historically. And therefore uh, it's, it's almost inherently a job where people are like, I don't know, where's the vice president? What's the vice president doing? We never see this guy. You know, Dick Cheney was always at a, at an undisclosed location. Whatever he was doing. And uh, so marrying her to that is is odd because she's not like that. She is somebody that's out in public. She's front facing all the time. She's always at events and stuff like that. And she's driving a lot of the policy, I think. And, you know, not that Biden is some stick in the mud, but I think she does drive him, you know, farther to the progressive side of things um, is my guess. But, you know, and then you marry the the office itself, which is kind of like milk toast and ho hum, with the fact that the media, you know, she's a woman and she's a woman of color, and the media tends to, you know, treat people like that differently because the media sucks, uh, and it's it is complicated to to defend, and I think it's important that we figure out really how to do it because what's going to happen and what we're going to see in the campaign trail is she's going to be the person that gets attacked. The the GOP have spent the last four or five years, as soon as she started to run in the primary in 15, 16, they started sharpening their knives with this, um, you know, working on ways to attack her, uh, whether it's the Kamala's a cop, you know, bullshit or whatever else. There's there's lots of things that they've tried. And I think that there's going to be more of this. They're going to go back into the well for stuff like that heading into this season, because the reality is, um, as you said, Biden is old. He's, you know, he's going to be eight. He would be 80, I believe, when uh, when he begins his second term, which is by far the oldest that any second term president has been. Now, he's in very good health, but 80 is 80. So from an actuarial table standpoint, there is a very good likelihood that she will be president at some point in the next six years. Right. If, yeah. if Biden wins again. So um, that's the attack line we're going to hear from the Republicans. A vote for Biden is a vote for President Harris. So how do we how do we combat that? Well, what's, what's know, how do we do it? Well, we know that Nikki Haley has already started this attack. She has become she has become the attack dog on Kamala Harris. Maybe because she's a woman, they've they've said, you know, like, hey, you go take that. She's also a woman. She's also a woman of color, even though sometimes she thinks that she's not, but she still is. And so the fact that she she has brought this this argument multiple times. I mean, she did it on Friday again. She she keeps saying it. A vote for VP is a is a. I mean, sorry, a vote for Biden is a vote for VP. I think the way that we that we combat this is say, good. That is actually yeah. that is actually a, <laughs> a great thing, right? Here's and this is why, right? I mean, if 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 Biden was to, God forbid, you know, die while in office. The person that is sitting right there with him, making every decision, the, as he says, the last person in the room with him to make decisions, that is the exact person that I want to be the the president if he was to somehow, you know, pass away in office, right? If there is no one else. Why would I want anyone else to to take that role, right? I mean, that was the purpose of her, of him picking her at the moment that he picked her because he felt that one, they had a really good relationship 
Two, she was a strong person who could handle the job. And three, mm-hmm. she, like I said, she has good policy ideas. Yeah. She has good. And the only thing that she was lacking at that point was the foreign policy chops to be able to kind of, you know, have those conversations. She has, she had never done it. I mean, she was on a local level. She was on a state level. She was in the Senate, which she had traveled and she had, she had, she had some interaction with foreign policy, but her being in that office of the vice president has given her that ability. I mean, if you listen to her speak, she says, I've met with over 100 world leaders in her time as as the VP. I mean, she's traveled to Central America. She's traveled to Asia. She's traveled. You know, she has a really good relationship um, with the French um, president, right? She's been there a couple of times. Africa, She's she went there. I mean, that trip was amazing on so many levels. Mm-hmm. I think for her and for even just her 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 confidence and you know, kind of the where we're seeing your seeing where your the ancestors came from. That was a really pivotal moment, I think, in her vice presidency that people shouldn't take for granted because that trip was really you could see that it did something to her and she yeah. came back as a totally different person. Um, most recently she went to the Bahamas. So she's working on the, the Caribbean. I mean, there's a lot of things that she's doing that people really don't necessarily see, but it's shaping her to be the person that Biden, I think, saw when he picked her to be that person that is going yeah. to take over. I say, I, I put in a post a couple of weeks ago about the bridge, right? Biden said he was trying to be the bridge and the bridge is for Kamala. So whether that is in, mm-hmm. whether that is in, in the next six years, after they win in 2024, or if that is in 2028, when if and if there's a big if, if she wants to run, right? People keep assuming yeah. that she is going to run in 2028, <laughs> but she may say, you know what, guys, I've had enough of this. I am over this job, and I am not going to run. Somebody else take take over, and you go, guys, go have a primary and fight it out. We don't know what she's gonna do, right? I mean, eight years of being a VP is a is a really hard job. It's a, not an easy job. And people, no, people it's thankless. It's granted. thankless. Yes, yeah. it's absolutely thankless. So, I mean, we haven't had we haven't had a VP run since Gore, right? I mean, if you think about the last couple of people that are, I mean, we had Trump, we had Cheney didn't run. Yeah. Well, Biden ran. Well, but, well, but, but he took a break. Remember, he took a break. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, no, you mean right after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right no, after, it has yeah. been a while. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it also tends sometimes not to do great, you know? Doesn't people get sick of the party or whatever? So, okay, so this is my prediction. I've said this before on the show. I'm going to tell you uh, and see what you think of it. What I think is going to happen is I think Biden is going to run. I think Biden is going to win pretty easily, especially if Trump is on the ballot. I think it's going to be a Reagan over Mondale in 84 ass kicking. And uh, I think that after about a year, maybe two, he's going to be like, you know what? I'm out. I'm retiring. And that's going to be, and he's going to, pass the car keys to Kamala and he's going to go back to Delaware or wherever he goes and let her be president for two years. That's what I think is going to happen. And the reason why is because I think he wants to do that. I think deep down he wants to do it. Yeah. What do you think? I, I Okay. So I have a, I have a similar take, but a little bit of a little bit of a twist. Okay. Okay. So okay. I think, like you said, they're going to win in 2024 pretty easily. Yep. And although Biden will be president, I think he's going to let her lead. 
We have mm -hmm. never seen that before, right? We've never seen a president let a vice president leave. So I think mm. what you're going to see is he's going Ooh, like to, to take us yeah. take a little bit of a step back and allow her to be upfront. And he's doing it already, right? He's kind. If you watch it, if you watch what he's doing, he's doing it already. But it's going to be on a, a different level where people, where she's going to start meeting with, like making decisions, having where he, where he is now, you're going to see her kind of be up, up in your face and to the point where you're going to be sick of her because you're going to be like, why is she, people are going to be like, she's the president. Like they're going to be really annoyed that she's the president. But I think that is the only with people, in my opinion, because she's a woman, because she's a black woman, woman of color, people need to be able to see her do the job uh, because they yeah. can't, because they're, let's be honest, Americans, like their imagination is very small. So they, they, they have to be able to see her do the yeah. job in order to realize that she is the right person for it. Right now they don't see her doing it because she's kind of playing that background. But I think yeah. even in this campaign alone, you're going to see her a lot more than you would Biden. We have to remember that one, he's still president. And two, he's also like, he has to lead, right? I mean, yeah, he, he still has to lead this country. So he can't be out all the time on the campaign trail. So she's going to be doing that. Yeah, she's good at that. Yeah, and she's really good at it. Yeah, I've seen her campaign. She's really good. She's really good. People people dismiss that, but I think people need to see that too, right? To see her campaign because they they said she mm -hmm. sucked in twenty, you know, in twenty what it was twenty twenty twenty. They said she sucked up campaigning. Blah blah. blah. They're gonna see the new. There was a pandemic. Uh, exactly. In by the way, yeah, yeah. So people are gonna see that, and I think I think that really is going to show the strength of VP and who she is as a person. And the way that she leads and respects Biden, and I think that's what we need. I think I think especially for for men, they don't they can't necessarily, and some women too, they can't see her as VP because they've never seen it before. It's kind of like Obama. No one believed that we could have a black president until we actually had one. They were like, "Oh snap, we actually have a black president. This is awesome." And I think the same thing with her. If, if while she if in being that she is VP, we can see her do the job. And I think that is that is really the hardest part is getting people to accept that a woman can be president, which we never, which a lot of people couldn't see for Hillary in 2016, amongst other things, because they just didn't like her based on her time, you know, when Bill was in, in office. So there's yeah. there was a lot of factors there. But I think with Kamala, people, the reason people don't like her is so is usually silly stuff. It's usually, you know, superficial, her laugh. Or laugh. That's what my mom says. Yeah. yeah. Or we can't, or we, we can't yeah. see, we don't see her. We don't know what she's doing. So, okay. So Biden will put her up front. We'll put her in serious positions where she's able to talk about policy and you'll see the serious side of Kamala, not the joyful VP, you know, kind of laughing, having fun kind of vice president that we have now. This is a really interesting idea because yeah, they could, I mean, he could like have her, if there was some important address to the nation, he could have her do it. He could have her do the State of the Union. You know, there's lots of things that he could do and send her as a surrogate. And uh, I really like that idea. That's a really good idea. That's, yeah. Okay. I think I when like I this. think of Biden, so so here's my thing of Biden. He, we got to remember, he was the, he was, he was the VP to the first black president, right? So, yes. so yeah. and then he decided he was going to pick 
the of the first black woman president, right? So he's kind of like sandwiched in there. But he he loves first. I mean, he's just kind of the guy who, I mean, he has the first black woman Supreme Court justice, right? So he this mm-hmm. is kind of his kind of his thing. And I, I I do think that he has this respect thing for Kamala where he wants her to succeed. And even yeah. even yesterday, you know, when or was it Friday when he was when they were at the rally, you know, he said, you know, She's my, you know, she's my running mate, guys. Like, this is my running mate. And he's he's kind of putting her on the same level as him. It's not a behind. It's not an in front. It's we're on the same level and we are doing this together. And the respect factor that they give her by saying this is the Biden-Harris administration proves that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I always try to write it that way, too. And whenever I write stuff, I try to always say it in that way just to get just to get people used to the idea. But I don't know, though, because I don't know, some people at The New York Times on the op ed page seem to think that uh, Biden should pick a new running mate. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll listen to the op ed writers of The New York Times who, oh, my God, just so out of touch. Uh, What do you say when someone says something like that? Like, we should pick somebody else to be VP. What's the response to that? Or just other than just block them? (laughs) Well, I don't know. Honestly, the blocking thing is probably the easiest thing to do because you just know you're (laughs) dealing with somebody who's like, is totally just out there. But I think the way to respond to that is to say, who would be better? Because if you think about the people that are are out there that they that they usually try to pick, right? So they they'll they'll try to usually they'll try to replace her with another woman. So they'll say like Gretchen Whitmer, and I'll say, but Gretchen Whitmer is running Michigan. I mean, she's doing a great job yeah. there, but she doesn't have the foreign policy expertise that the VP has. Or they'll say somebody like a Pete Buttigieg. I'm like, okay, but you know that he's the transportation secretary, and he also lost. So Biden in 2020, like yeah. what he, he he dropped out the race. So anyone that they're picking, the other new one is, of course, they they, they go to Gavin Newsom. And I think that's like, yeah. I think it's pretty, I'm like, Gavin Newsom needs to pass like a vetting process to even be considered, which I don't know that's going to happen if you know his history. So maybe that's probably um, not the right thing to do. So let's not go there. But I mean, they're, they're, the, again, people don't really understand other people's potential VPs like backgrounds they just they just pick like picking out of a hat they're like yeah let's pick I mean some people say Stacey Abrams I'm like okay you do realize she lost Georgia right so where where do you who are who are these people that you want to be VP because none of them are making any sense other than Kamala Harris yeah who's been doing the job really wonderfully for the last little while yeah with, with, with Newsom he seems like he he's a great you know politician and be a great leader but um, you know, the two words I have are Kimberly and Guilfoyle, and that's disqualifying for me. Sorry. Yeah. Just as, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I but, And people, I think that it's just journalists who are bored and trying to just, you know, come up with, it's like with, uh, you know, sports fans that, that write about like, you know, fake trade proposals and stuff like that in the NBA. They just, it's a slow news week. We'll just throw this out there. But um, I really do think that Biden wants her to be president and would do that. I think he, I think it would make him happy to do it on his way out. He'd be like, we have a woman president now. And I, I fucking did that. Yeah. That's, that is him. That is totally, (laughs) that is totally the dark Brandon like mentality, right? Like he's like, (laughs) like you could just see him just sitting there just in 20, like in 2029, just sitting there at the inauguration, just this whole cheese smile. Like I did, like I did this, like, you know, I, I made this happen. 
and that and that's kind of what we want right we want we want there to be um a succession process right this is this is the person that i wanted to be and i saw the future in and we worked together for the last eight years and we made this happen and here we are and it's and i i use the word continuity when mm. talk, when talking about you know the Biden and VP and even from 20, you know, from 2020 to now to going into 2024, we want to continue with the policies and have the stability to continue to do what we've been doing. And VP being, being the president in 2028 would just be, again, continuity of what they have achieved from those eight years that they would have been in office. Does everybody agree with me? Probably not. I'm sure there's going to be like a crazy primary in 2028. But I think when 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 we have when we when as a group when when folks and I from the K Hive we have the conversation and we say you know what does twenty twenty eight look like we know that there is going to be a primary right and she's going to have to run and she's going to have to win but I think when I think of Gavin Newsom or or even if Gretchen Whitmer were to get it or someone else I'm like do you know what fuels VP if you know about is competition she is still she yeah. may she may not look like she's competitive but she is and sometimes you need you need people to push you to be better right yeah. and, and so yeah. having a having a competitive primary will only make her better and everything that she's doing and going through with the media and how they treat her and how people treat her will only make her stronger to have to deal with that because in 2020 she she you know she she never had run for president she didn't know kind of what to expect but she will know she has been in the trenches fighting all this time and it'll only make her a better candidate in 2028 if she does run amen and i think she will because i think she's gonna be president at that time uh, <laughs> and she's gonna run as an incumbent which is always good um okay so now you have um you have a, a, a live TikTok show on Wednesdays at 9.30 Eastern time called The Rundown. Tell everybody a little bit about that. All right. So The Rundown is a show that we do on Wednesdays where we run down all the news of the past week. So whatever was going on from, from that Thursday until that Wednesday, which sometimes there's news even that day, we will we will pick a few of the topics and and break it down. So last week we talked about the stuff the sub that was, uh, <laughs> um, but we also talk about politics too, where we we talk about you know whatever the issues are um, of what's going on. And so um, it's it's actually a pretty fun show. It's myself. Um, if you follow on TikTok or on Twitter, too raw too real, Shantizi and um jose can you see so we and zach and we have we have a really good time laughing joking but also talking about serious topics that are in in politics and and kind of just you know break it down but from a realistic standpoint and you know we're just talking we're just having a, a good time analyzing what's going on and 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 so yeah tune in Okay, no, tune in. It's that this is on your page, right? Which is candidly underscore tiff or is candidly it underscore tiff on TikTok. I usually post the link on Twitter so people can join. But yeah, we all we all are on there. And yeah, you can go to my page and you'll see me live and you can jump right in and listen. Yeah, you're always you're always a wealth of information. And you're a you're also a really good Twitter follow because you know a lot of stuff. And you're also you you share stuff about about your life and what's going on, which I think is always fun. And so it's not all wonky, you know what I mean? Like it's good. You're you're a good Twitter follow. I recommend. Um, for some reason, 
you know, since Elmo took over, there's lots of accounts that that have, I don't see anymore. Thankfully, yours is still in my feed, which is good. So I'm, ha- I'm grateful for th- I'm grateful for that. Now, now that this is out there, Elmo will fuck it up. I'm sure. Of but course. Yeah, I, I love that you call him Elmo too, because I do too. People get <laughs> no people get so mad that I call him Elmo because they're like, Elmo is a good guy. You know, he's like a good guy. I'm like, yeah, but it's still his name is still Elmo. I don't care what you. I don't care. What yeah, it's it's humiliating for him. I think he. I think he doesn't like being called that. Therefore, I'm going to continue Same. to call him that. It's really that simple. It's just, you know, he trolls everybody all the time. I can call him Elmore if I wish. That's, that, that's what I say. So um, this has been fantastic. Thanks so much the for taking the time The Prevail theme song is by Matthew Fossett. Zarina Zabriskie, Marie Kost, and Martha Akuna provided the introduction in Ukrainian, French, and Spanish, respectively. Voice talent is by Stephanie St. John, Tally Briggs, Michelle Cantor, and me. Thanks to Allison Gill, Molly Hockey, Kenai Williams, and everyone else at MSW Media. Please subscribe to the Prevail Substack with updates every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Your $5 monthly subscription funds the column and the podcast. Visit gregoliar.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Drive safely. Don't forget to tip your server. And until next time, we shall prevail.
I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay? Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Give.